This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of CastingAcross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This is the 56th episode of the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast, which means I've been recording podcasts for one year. As you probably know, the podcast is a supplement to the website because I consider myself first and foremost a writer. I like podcasting, I like speaking, but I really see the podcast as a way to get people to read what I've written. That being said, I've found it to be a lot of fun. I enjoy occupying the same space in fly fishing podcasts with some excellent podcasters. And as I mentioned last week, a lot of them conduct interviews. That's their primary form of content. And if not interviews, it's dialogue around a table talking about fly fishing and life and things like that. And I have purposefully chosen not to do that. There are plenty of interviews and interactions with other people that you can find on the website. I really enjoy sitting down, talking with somebody, getting their story, getting information, and then writing it and presenting it and kind of get my interpretation of it. I really enjoy that. That being said, I know that a lot of people really enjoy interview-style podcasts. So, because this is my one-year anniversary, I figured this would be a good time to actually break into that very briefly. And so I decided months and months ago that there was two people that I really wanted to have on the podcast for my first interview. As I've alluded to earlier, these are people who are very important, not just in my fly fishing, but in my life. And I wanted to get their take on fly fishing, what they think about it, how they feel about it, and have anything that they can pass on to you, the listener. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my first guest. To my right, I have... Timothy. And Timothy, how old are you? Seven. And to my left, I have... Daniel. And how old are you? Five. Timothy and Daniel are my two oldest boys. I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, 
and a soon-to-be one-year-old. Christmas morning, uh, Judah will be one. Now, obviously, Timothy and Daniel are not the typical fly-fishing podcast guests, but this is the kind of person that I think most of us should be spending more time talking to about fly-fishing, not just because they're kids and they're the future of the sport, but because there's a lot of fun and a lot of things that we can learn from talking to them. So my first question is going to be for Timothy, because he's the oldest, he gets to go first with everything pretty much. Timothy, tell me your first memory of fly fishing. I caught my first fish fly fishing um, when I was in Wisconsin. Um, uh, Me and my dad went to a little river and uh, we caught a um, brown trout and um, it was super fun and I got two cookies afterwards. (laughs) Everyone else got one cookie because you caught your first fish on a fly rod. You got two cookies. So we were in the Driftless. We were on vacation. We had rented a cabin right across from a creek. And the fishing wasn't super easy all week. I was having to catch them early in the morning and late in the afternoon. But there was one day where I had caught a handful of brown trout and brook trout in this one stretch. And there was one I saw that was taking emergers. An emerger is a little bug that is right below the surface. So it's not a dry fly, but you can kind of see him take it. And do you remember how I got you across the creek? Yeah, um, and he um, carried me. <laughs> yeah, so you didn't have waders. You still don't have waders. But this water was wicked cold because it was a spring creek. So I had to carry you to the other side. And we were using a bamboo rod and a cool little Orvis CFO reel. And we got you on your first fish on a fly rod. That was cool. I remember that. That's actually my login picture when I get on to my computer that I have to enter my password. It's the picture of you and that brown trout flopping back into the stream. So that's pretty cool. So, Daniel, do you remember your first fish on a fly rod? My first fish in the White Mountains was a brook trout that he had a fly in his backpack. That's right. We had... We had hiked in about three miles, and you hiked the whole way there, and we'd find a little brook trout stream, and I was casting, and you guys were splashing, and I started catching fish, and you wanted to catch a fish too, and so your very first fish was a what again? What'd you say? Brook trout. That's right, a brook trout. That was very cool. That's my favorite fish, and so your first fish on a fly rod is a brook trout. Actually, Caleb caught a fish that day too. We could call that his first fish because I was holding him, and uh, he caught a fish, a brook trout also. All right, so that's your, that's, everyone wants to know your first fish on a fly rod. That's a very, very important question. People want to know that. It kind of tests your mettle, what kind of, what kind of angler you are, and so that you've gotten it out of the way. All right, next question. All right, and Daniel, you can go first with this one. Is there a fish you want to catch or a place you want to catch fish that you've either heard Daddy talk about or if we watch videos on YouTube or something like that? Is there a place you want to catch fish or a certain kind of fish that you really want to catch? I want to catch a rainbow trout in Virginia with my cousins. Oh, that'd be cool. They live kind of close to Shenandoah Mountains, and so there's definitely brookies up there, but there is a really nice river that would be cool. The next time we go down there, we could maybe catch a rainbow trout. Would that be cool? Yeah. Daniel loves the woods, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Timothy, how about you? Is there a particular kind of fish or a place that you'd want to go fishing? Well, um, I would like to catch a um, 
carp, um, and I would also like to catch it in Virginia with my cousins. That would be cool. So carp. Tell me about carp. What do you like about carp? Um, I like carp because um, they um, are spooky and um, they're big and um, they eat their food underwater. We used to see lots of really big carp when we lived in Virginia, didn't we? Yeah. They have common carp. We have those up here too in Massachusetts. But they also have grass carp and those are the ones that uh, we call dino fish because they were so big. So... Daddy hooked into a few of those, but I never landed one uh, when we were living there. But those are those are very, very big. All right, next question. What part of going fishing that isn't fishing itself, so not actually on the water casting, trying to catch fish, but the whole fishing trip, do you really enjoy? Timothy? I like, um, like getting all my gear and uh, sometimes going on a hike and... Uh, n- um, I like doing the whole trip and stuff. Very cool. We do like to hike a lot, whether we go to the pond and we have to walk from our car to the place where we have best fishing access or up in the mountains or on the beach. There's always walking involved, and usually that takes a lot longer when I'm with you guys, but it ends up being a lot of fun. But you mentioned something important, and that's gear. And I talk about gear on the podcast and write about gear a lot on the website. So, Timothy, can you tell me one piece of gear that you have that you really like? Flies are one of my favorite. One of my favorites is squirmy wormies and grasshoppers. <laughs> Those are very good patterns. They're, um, grasshoppers. What do you like about grasshoppers? Well, um, all the times that I've used a grasshopper, um, they have caught a lot of fish. Well, that's a good enough reason to like a fly. Daniel, before I ask you that question that I asked Timothy, what is one piece of gear that you have that you really like? Well, I have two, so my first one is flies, and my second is the pack, my Vitavu sling pack. You, yeah, what color is yours? Do you remember? Red. Red, and Timothy, you have one too. What color is it? Blue. So you guys have the original little bugger packs from Vitavu, which are pretty cool because they're built for your size. You can keep all your stuff in them, your flies, fly boxes and your tools and snacks. You always have snacks. Usually what kind of snacks do you try to have in yours, Timothy? Jolly Rancher hard candy. (laughs) That's always a nasty Jolly Rancher you find in the bottom of your pack that you seem to replace. But Daniel, asking you the question I asked Timothy, what's a part of fishing that isn't fishing, but it's something we do all the time when we go fishing that you really enjoy? My favorite thing is snacks, and the best one is candy. And I, in that, when I sometimes go, my pack is full of candy. That is also true. I'm not sure how you guys always get candy into your little sling packs, but there always is candy. It's never like a, a fruit snacks or granola bar. It's always candy, but I suppose that's part of fly fishing. Here's another question. What do you think is one of the hardest parts for a kid about going fly fishing? Um, waiting, um, because sometimes the current can be super strong and my, um, dad has to help me. Yeah, we definitely don't want you to get swept away, but waiting is hard and waiting is hard too, right? Yeah, but 
you do a good job and it's fun in the summertime when you can be in the water uh, and you're up to your ankles or up to your knees and that's that's a lot of fun. All right, Daniel, how about you? What's one of the hardest things about fly fishing for a kid? It's the casting. <laughs> Why is casting so tricky? Because I sometimes, when I cast, I sometimes tangle up. <laughs> you tangle up and then what does daddy get to go do when you're tangled up? Fix it. I have a lot of experience untangling knots, and I think you guys are getting close enough to the age where you're going to have to start untangling your own knots, but I'm very proud of both of you guys that you guys have patience, even though we said that waiting can sometimes be the hard part, waiting with a T can sometimes be hard. You guys both show a lot of patience. I think that I was super impressed. One of the last trips that we went on, we were actually in Virginia. We were fishing for smallmouth and for rock bass on a river, and it was raining, but you guys still wanted to be out there, and you just had fun splashing around. And even though we only caught a few fish, you guys did a really, really good job. And uh, so I'm very, very impressed that you guys don't let some tricky things like deep water and tangled fly line uh, stop you. So you guys are doing really good with that. So, boys, why should a kid try fly fishing? Daniel, why should a kid try fly fishing? Because they can try something new and not just sit at in home and play video games all day. (laughs) That's a very good point. What is it is it easy to learn fly fishing, Daniel? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, you're a pro, or you're an expert? Yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I'm not an expert. I'm not a pro. But there's some things that are easy to learn, like you wait until the fly gets eaten before you pull on it and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, Timothy, how about you? Why should a kid try fly fishing? I think a kid should try fly fishing because um, it's uh, the good sport and um, they should try something new and um, especially um, because it is fun and especially if their father is a good fly fisherman. If if your father is a good fly fisherman, that means that you probably get to see a lot of fishing gear come in your door and you get to watch a lot of YouTube videos about fly fishing and your family might go on fishing trips that have fly fishing as part of them. So it's probably a good idea to to at least give it a try, right? Yeah. All right. Well, that's a lot of fly fishing talk, but there's other things that we do in life. Uh, What are some of your other favorite things to do besides fly fishing? Timothy, what's one of your favorite things to do that's not fly fishing? Well, I um, like taking walks in the woods and... um, exploring and um, anything to do that includes outside. Very cool. Daniel, how about you? What are some of your favorite things to do that are not fly fishing? Um, Like playing Nintendo and watching cartoons. Didn't you just say that fly fishing is good because it doesn't mean you sit inside and play video games all day? <laughs> yeah. Okay, but those are some of your other favorite things? Yeah. Well, that's okay. Daddy likes those things, too. All right. Another good question. Favorite food. Daniel, what's your favorite food? Candy. What kind of candy? Lollipops. Okay. Well, those are nice because they make you sit still for a long time. <laughs> Timothy, what's your favorite food? Um, I have three. Pe- that is not one food. What's your one favorite food? Pancakes. Very- <laughs> I like it. Pancakes. <laughs> All right. So next question. What is your favorite sport to play? Football slash baseball. 
That's two sports. You're very indecisive. Daniel, what's your favorite sport to play? Football. All right. We do like playing football. It just snowed in Massachusetts, so we played some snow football today, and that was great fun. All right. Well, guys, we're getting close to time to wrap up, but I just wanted to let everyone who is listening to this know, who download it and subscribe to the podcast and listen, to know that one of my favorite things to do is not just go fly fishing, but talk about fly fishing with you guys. How we talk about it when you're going to bed, we talk about it on car rides, we talk about it when we're going fishing. And I really enjoy spending time not just fishing, but talking about fishing, talking about the places I've been, talking about the places I'd like to go. And just having those conversations with you guys is a lot of fun for me because I'm not just sharing with you, but I'm hearing about what you think about the things that I've done or the things that I'd like to do. And so that gives me perspective or it helps me see what I've done from different eyes because you guys even though you're my boys you think about things differently than me you think about things a lot of times the similar to the way I do but you think about things differently than, than me and so it's really cool to talk about these things with you guys and I'm excited about not just fishing next season but fishing season after season after season with you guys you guys catching bigger fish than me you guys catching more fish than me it's going to happen soon it's going to happen probably sooner than than I would like to admit but that's going to be awesome when we can spend more time and then when your little brothers your three-year-old and your one-year-old, they get out and they need to do it with us also. It's going to be great when we all get to go fishing and mama gets to have a nice, quiet weekend by herself. It's not a bunch of boys in the house. So thank you very much for being on the podcast this week. I'm sure we'll do this again sometime. I really appreciate you guys staying up past your bedtime to do this. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. All right. Well, this week on the website, two articles. One is called Fly Fishing Gifts for the New Angler. You know, it's not necessarily the easiest thing to buy something for somebody who's been fly fishing for a long time, a gift that's within that fly fishing uh, spectrum. But somebody who's a brand new angler, I mean, there's so many things that you could get them. And is it really something that's necessary or is it something they're not going to use or it's too advanced or it's not really their kind of fishing they're into? So I've got a handful of gifts in this article, Fly Fishing Gifts for the New Angler, that I think would be good fits for virtually anybody and everybody. And then Wednesday's article is called Rusty Flybox to Give is Better. And the Rusty Flybox series of articles is... Again, it's going back into the archives of Casting Across and digging up old content, which certainly is an easy thing for me to do. But here I have uh, a lot of articles. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 articles. And each one of them has at least three different pieces of gear or items that I recommend. So this is a pretty good resource. There's a lot of options in here. If you're looking for a Christmas gift, a birthday gift, Father's Day gift, a Mother's Day gift, just a gift or something for yourself. But what I put at the head of the article is two articles on non-traditional fly fishing gifts. Um, And these are actually experiences. And this is something I think you could really knock your gift giving out of the park if you were to do something like this. So I've given you a few ideas, a few prompts, things that you can do. But beyond those, there's two articles about fly rods. Last year, I believe it was last year, I had an all fly rod gift guide. 
and it was rods that start at $90 and go up to $1,000. But each one is in like that $100 increments. So there's something in the hundreds, 200s, 300s, all the way on up. And there's the st small stream fly rods, which is probably the most popular article on casting across, uh, totally across the board. Six articles on different fly fishing books, and then four articles that have different uh, lists of items. You know, seven fly fishing gifts between fifteen and two hundred dollars. Five fly fishing gifts you can get with Amazon Prime. That's a good one in case you are kind of in a last-minute situation. Uh, five fly fishing gifts plus one you can customize, and then three pieces of fly fishing gear I use every time I go out. So those are some resources for you that you can check out, especially if you're listening to this the time this is being recorded, which is early December. This week's recommendation is a book called Fly Fishing for Smallmouth Bass by Harry Murray. Harry Murray is really an underrated fly fishing author and fly shop proprietor out of uh, Virginia. Now this book was written in 1989. Um, so there's not a whole lot of newfangled stuff in here, but the stuff that's in here is really solid. Now, I know a lot of hardcore smallmouth bass anglers know all of these things, but I know a lot of people think that smallmouth bass fishing is just going out in the river and throwing poppers or pulling streamers across weed beds. Now, you can catch fish that way, but I have found that that is not how I've caught my biggest bass, and doing those things is not necessarily how I've caught the most bass. So a couple of the chapters in this book that were awesome for me when I was a younger angler that I still reference back to is one about nymphing for smallmouth, um, and then thinking about how to approach smallmouth in lakes versus smallmouth in rivers. But even just reading smallmouth bass water, they are so much like trout in so many ways, but there are subtle differences. Uh, you know, people make a great big deal about the differences between trout species. Well, how are brown trout feeding versus how are rainbow trout feeding? And while there is a lot of overlap in how those fish behave, we acknowledge that browns, rainbows, brook trout, cutthroat do different things even if they occupy the same river. So if that's true, then something completely different like a smallmouth bass obviously has a lot of differences also. So learning about reading bass water, learning about reading rivers, lakes, different techniques for approaching them. There's some very, very basic information here, but there's some very in-depth kind of uh, graduate level smallmouth bass fly fishing information in this. So it's called Fly Fishing for Smallmouth Bass. I'll put a link to finding out Amazon in the show notes of this page. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. In, in Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.